This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back for another episode of the Oak Road Hatter podcast. And after two weeks of watching international football, we returned and I really wish we hadn't. Coming up for you today, we look back at the poor performances and results against Derby and Barnsley. We look at the free polls from Twitter before previewing Saturday's clash against Wickham, which is a game that I don't think I'm looking forward to as of yet. What about you, Stephen? Yeah, um, I was saying... Uh, the other day, I'm I'm really not looking forward to it. If we're if we're in the same form as what we've been in the last two games, if we turn up the same way, then we're giving Wickham kind of a lot of hope to give them a you know a push for survival, really, because we'll easily be beaten by them if we if we turn, if we play the same way as we did against Derby and Barnsley. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And talking well, the international break was there. Last time we left this podcast, so we'll head back to the first game after, and that was the Derby game. It's a 2-0 loss against the Derby side, who, to be fair, looked poor. They've been struggling for goals this season, and we conceded two against them, which is probably the most disappointing aspect. Yeah, it was, it was a bad way to concede goals as well. Um, we didn't, didn't defend well enough, and we just, you know, looked bad at the back again which is really annoying considering that before the break I was saying our makeshift defence is looking really good somehow it's working and then suddenly it just stops working yeah and it was similar to Swansea where there was emphasis on not conceding early and that's what we did in both halves didn't we we conceded within the first five minutes of the first half and within the first five minutes of the second half yeah it felt like last season a bit Thinking, you know, thinking back on how we just, you know, we come out of the blocks and just roll over sometimes, and that's what we did. We just 
let him let him in so easy. And yeah, we are uh, we're not too happy about it. Yeah, and I guess there was a big turning point in the game as well. It was Adebayo's miss, which you thought the form he has been in so far, you just didn't expect anything other than the net to bulge. Yeah, I, I was confident when he was in that position because obviously the form that Colo's been in recently hasn't been the best. And I thought if Colo was in that position, would he have would he have done the same thing? Probably. Cornick, I think we know the answer to that without even questioning it. And so I, I thought Adebayo would, would score. But at the same time, in my head, I've been thinking he's had a brilliant start. There's got to be a time where he starts dropping off and um, his his inexperience in this league sort of shows and that's where you'd want a composed striker in that position to think oh the keeper's coming at me I've got to put it either side of him and off the ground but he's smacked it on the ground and keeper saved it and it's it's not a bad save really the keeper's done his job it's just maybe a more composed striker like Hollow could have scored that but obviously we don't know um, we won't get, you know, we won't have a chance to see. Yeah, because I guess every striker's going to have that. Every striker's going to have a miss. Timu Puki, Ivan Tony, they're going to miss opportunities like that this season. But it's just that they are constantly supplied with opportunities to rectify that, I think. It's playing in the Luton side at the moment that obviously don't create as many chances as the Norwich, Norwiches and Brentfords of this division. So... Yeah, it's quite hard to judge him on that basis, but at the same time, the form is in. Yeah, we I think we both expected a goal there. And it was a brilliant yeah. ball as well from Dewsbury Hall. I know he's an unbelievable player, but that ball through to him was, I think it was quite underrated. I didn't see too many people speak about it after. Yeah, I didn't see too many people speak about it either. And thinking back, I can't think that um, it was anything different to what he usually does to be honest so I think that's probably why there's not not too many people have spoken about it because it's just kind of expected from him now and yeah I think I mean sh- obviously it deserved like the 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 pass to it this deserved a, a good finish and we just didn't get it and yeah I'm like going back to what you said about teams that get chances if we had as many chances as those clubs, you know, as you said, Norwich and Brentford, we, we'd be in a completely different position. We'd be thinking, oh, we've got to, we're, we can get a few more points and climb into the playoffs. But we're we're lacking on the final third front and it shows. Yeah, from, from then on, it was quite the pattern of the game turned to us having a lot of possession Playing some all right football from the back, but we lack that cutting edge, which again has been mentioned so many times on these podcasts that lacking the cutting edge, which I think give Adebayo pre-season, I think I think we'll be converting those chances. Yeah, I I believe that come next season we'll be converting those chances, and if Colo doesn't sign a new contract, we might get someone in that that's you know, a bit younger than Colo, but a bit more experienced in the championship and, you know, the sort of player that would put those chances away easily enough. And yeah, and when, when I say expect- about converting those chances, I mean, so, because we are still having that, creating a lack of chances, but being prolific in those 
opportunities that we do get because we haven't created enough this year, have we? No, and I think that the main point of our of our good spell at the start of the season was the fact that we were clinical. It wasn't the fact that we were creating chances. We were clinical. And I was thinking, this could be a really good season if we remain clinical, but we didn't. And now we're in, you know, mid-table, happily mid-table, but we could be saying a lot of different things had Colo put more of his chances away. If Adebayo had put his chance away against Derby, we would have seen a probably completely different game. And and that's just the, the difference in this league is that between, you know, teams that have got good players that can put chances away and teams that don't put enough chances away and we're seeing it. Yeah, and then Easter Monday, we had a chance to quickly rectify things as we hosted Barnsley. They're a team that have been on quite a similar path to us in recent years. They got promoted with us just shy of points. I think they finished five points below us that season. Last year, obviously, they won their own great escape as well. But they are, a, they've just turned into a completely different team this year. They look brilliant, don't they? Yeah. And they, they didn't, I think the point is they don't give any team space. I remember, I think, watching some highlights from, from the from their game against Chelsea. They, they like tried to just squeeze them in and not give them any space. And we're the sort of team that cannot deal with that. And their high line as well. We got all those bloody offsides. And that's just the way they play. And it's it's brilliant. And it, you know, last season I think they were playing sort of a similar style, but it wasn't working too well. And then this season it's just they've hit the they've hit the ground running and it's just worked perfectly for them, really. And a team like us, we we're gonna we're always gonna struggle to play against it because we're not good at taking it to teams that are either sitting back or squeezing us because we I can't think of too many times where we've been squeezed but looked confident on the ball there's times where you know with our in league one where we were playing brilliant football and no player could get near us and we were winning games 5-0 and all that and but since then I can't think of any games where we've been squeezed and played ridiculously well I think we played about the offsides there because that was that was terrible at one point. I think within the first ten minutes of the second half, counted about six or seven offsides. Yeah, it was just it was it was hard to watch. Just thought, are they not learning from each each time they've been caught offside? It was just yeah painful. You'd expect them to learn, but at the same time, these players they've been. I think in the last, you know, three or four seasons, they've been known for being offside a lot. I remember, you know, sitting sitting in my seat at Kenilworth Road, and I remember, I, I, it's it's a it's a thing in my head that like I remember just moaning about how many offsides we get often because it just happens, and we're always complaining at the lino. And I mean, can you imagine being the lino if if we were all there on Monday? I would have hated to have been them. But it was um, it was Harry Cornick as well. We got who constantly gets caught offside and he's so quick it's just like yeah hold off you can give players a couple of yards and you're still outraced that's i think that was the the worst part of it was the players that were getting called uh, caught offside because it was Numbe as well who's yeah he's got a lot of pace on him as well so just even then i think adebayo got caught offside and i, I just remember thinking like there's no way that all of these could have been offside because i remember like 
sometimes the ball was played and Adebayo was already behind the line. Like it wasn't, it wasn't it, uh, like, you know, in between the defenders and midfielders. He wasn't coming back. He was already there. And I'm just, I just remember thinking like, there's no way that all of these are offside and, you know, half the fouls the referee gave as well. I, I didn't think the fouls. I just, I just um, thought it was, it was a abysmal day for the officials. Yeah, yeah. And just circling back to Barnsley, because we've mentioned how good they looked, how high they press, forcing mistakes, how good of a job Valerian Ismail has done since he's come in. Can they go all the way? Can they get promoted this season? Or are they missing a little something? I, I think they're... It's like a it's a feel good story. It's uh I, I don't think they've got the quality to you know finish the job, but I the the way they're playing is brilliant. And I think in the playoffs they could easily do something brilliant, but at the same time, like I'd worry for how they might, you know, cope next season in the Premier League if they got promoted. I want them to go all the way, but I you know, I do worry that they might, you know, replicate Derby's failure. In the Premier League, but then Huddersfield, Huddersfield were not. Oh, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but was it the sixteen seventeen season they got promoted and they finished on minus goal difference? They didn't score in the playoffs and went up and had an all right season. So it's yeah, and it's well, it seems unlikely with them that they're going to keep Daryl DK, who just he dominated us, didn't he? he he gave Matt yeah. a really tough time. And yeah, he had a, he was clinical. Everything we won in the striker. Yeah, exactly. He he can, you know, he, he did well at holding Matty off the ball. And I, I would like to say that Matty is a sort of player that doesn't get held off of the ball and doesn't get shoved off. But it does happen frequently in the championship with him. In League One, he was it was fine. It was the I think it was a little Pacey players that gave him problems, but now it's like I think I think his level is probably League One because from from Saturday showing, I'm I'm not confident Pearson is a Championship defender anymore. And if if he uh, if he is, he's he's probably better off at a different team, but like not with us. Yeah, yeah, and you you mentioned the f- sort of players struggling before as well on that day, and. The person I feel most sorry for was whoever had to choose the four man of the matches. I'd struggled to give it to one, let alone make four options for it. And I felt particularly sorry for them because, yeah, I think they ended up putting Harry Cornick in there and he'd only been on for about 20 minutes. But to be fair, he's probably probably one of the better players because he had yeah. that first half. So, um, well, Sluger as well was on that list. He did make the mistake that led to the second goal, but then done brilliantly to save the penalty and save the rebound and you still get we still get opposition fans speaking about how bad of a keeper he is and it just to us to us Luton fans that constantly see him watch him week in week out it's just it's unbelievable to hear that he gets this criticism yeah I from from how people saw him last season, I can see why they might expect him to still be the same. But he's he's confident. He's he barely makes mistakes, and when he does, he does get punished. But how I can't think of many other mistakes that he's made this season. He 
he didn't come for that cross against Chelsea where Tammy uh, scored it easily and Saturday, uh, Monday's mistake as well. He obviously got punished for it. But other than that, I can't think of many times where I thought he's looking bad at all. And I, you know, I said, I can't, I can't believe that some fans are, some opposition fans think that he's still the keeper that he was last season. And it was and the fact that they think they have an opinion when they don't watch him week in, week out as well. Yeah. It's infuriating. It was mad to see that the three minutes, well, it's less than that. It was all, all really happened within a minute where they got awarded the penalty, missed the penalty, missed the follow-up. And then Collins goes up the other end and shows that he still has that championship quality. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think, that goal is going to help both. I'm, I'm, I'm praying that goal helps both Colo and Adebayo because Adebayo is going to probably think, oh, Colo has come on and scored. I'm going to have to step up my game again. And he's probably going to be more likely to put chances away like he had against Derby. And yeah, and Colo did show the, the quality that he still has with that goal because I was thinking there's no way he's going to score from here. I didn't. I really didn't expect him to score from there, and he did. And it was a brilliant finish. And I'm, I'm happy for him as well, having sat on the bench for so long to come on and score a goal like that. Because obviously he didn't get the goal um, before the, the goal where he shot and the keeper put it into his own net. Come, what game was that again? That was before. That was before the, the Preston. Preston. That's it, Preston. Yeah. So obviously he didn't get that. But obviously, show quality then, and hopefully, it's you know something for Claude to push on with, and you know regain his spot in the side for the rest of the season. And then moving on to the free polls of the week, we sort of staying on that theme of Adebayo and Collins. The first one was: Is it time that we see them both start together against Wickham? And with that poll, ninety-one percent of people said yes, with only nine percent at no, which says it all really. I think I like the pace of having a quick player next to Adebayo or Collins. I like sort of how that works. And I think Nathan Jones likes how that works. But we've seen it before in previous divisions when we played two similar players in Collins and Hilton, how they worked very well together. But again, it's a thing of just switching up, really, finding that combination. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I there's part of me that disagrees with how Hilton and Collo worked when they played together. Because I remember thinking they were two very similar players and they like they looked a bit they looked a bit off the pace when they played together because it was they weren't linking up brilliantly the whole time. Sometimes they did. I think um there was what that that game against Portsmouth in the FA Cup where Collo scored that banger and Hilton set him up for it and there was a few chances like a few things where they linked up brilliantly but I remember people moaning and moaning about Jones playing them both at the same time because they're sort of a similar player obviously Hilton's not got the quality that Collo has got now but I I mean I'm, I'm not surprised by the results as well I'd, I'd love to see Adebayo and Collins up front together but uh, Jones said recently he's going to have to try it before the end of the season. But part of me thinks, is that the best way to go for scoring goals? Because obviously, as I'm saying, like it didn't work. In, I remember it not working all the time with Colo and Hilton. Um, 
but at the same time, when they weren't playing together, we had JJ and Stacey and Shinny bossing it on the wings and, you know, they're passing and they, they could knock the ball into those players. At the moment, no one's really doing that, are they? I, Luala was not... About Collins, Collins and Adebayo maybe not scoring enough goals, but we're, we're kind of in a goal-scoring crisis. It is 32 goals in 39 games, I want to say. That's not good enough, I don't think. I know we're in a great position and it's a season where we could be proud of ourselves, but 32 goals in 39 games is not the best, not what we've come to expect. Of course, and I think all I'm trying to say really is that I just remember from experience that it didn't always work with Colo and Hillman. So I don't, I don't know if this is the answer. I think better quality players in midfield and... And, you know, Cornick scored, you know, I think up to 10 goals in all competitions last season. He scored none this season. We had other, we've had other players scoring goals, whereas this season we're not really seeing a lot of players score goals. We've had Drewsbury Hall score a few. We've had Clark score a few. But I can't think of anyone apart from Colo or Adebayo that's scored a lot and Adebayo has gone instantly into second place with a top scorer. So I think I don't think it's a matter of we need to put all the strikers on the pitch and that'll that'll solve it. I think it's just quality of players going forward and final third that's letting us down. And you know, other players need to take it into their hands to score as well, not just the strikers. And our our second poll was about players that we've been linked with in the previous transfer window in January. And we asked our followers to pick one that they'd personally revisit in the summer. And the overwhelming winner was Scott Twine, who was linked pretty much from the onset of the January transfer window. He got 68% of the votes. Kyle Edwards got 17%. Luke Jeffcott got 12% of votes and Kyle Dempsey got three percent and yeah i think this is something that we can agree with but one thing i'd expect well i would have expected jeff cott to rank quite high because he's been linked with a lot of teams he's obviously a very highly rated youngster and he's scoring loads of goals in in league one plays yeah. for a team that operates similar to luton with plymouth the way they play a good football inside so, yeah, I'd ex- I did expect Twine to win that because he seems like an ideal Dewsbury Hall repla- replacement should we need one because there's obviously that talk that we might keep Dewsbury Hall for another season. But what did you make of that overall, Stephen? I think looking looking at who Jeff Scott is as a player, so I've, I've not heard too much about him. I remember the name being linked, but I just had a quick search and you know as you put in here as well 16 goals in league one is brilliant for a 21 year old and he's someone that looking at the stats I, I thought same it, it would be higher but obviously Scott Twine is someone that we've been linked with what I think two uh, transfer windows in a row I think we were linked with them last summer and then January as well um, so yeah I, I'm not surprised to see him up there and with lots of uh, clubs in for him, but you know, I can see why he thought won that. But yeah, looking at Jeff, I I think 
say Collar does go, he could be a player that we bring in. Um, yeah, I, I mean, why not try and sign all of them? <laughs> because they, they all do look realistic targets, especially Jeffcott and Twine, but it's the people, well, it'd be the other clubs that are interested in signing them that could play a part in that because I think Twine's been linked with Brentford, Jeffcott's been yeah. linked with a lot of championship clubs because, like us, a lot of clubs this season struggled for goals. I think Derby, Nottingham Forest would both be interested given their lack of goals. So, yeah, it, it seems a case of seeing what other clubs do because obviously we still don't have that spending power like the rest of the championship do. But then again, looking at this transfer embargo rubbish that's been going on, be interesting to see what actually comes of that because reportedly there's 10 clubs that have been hit with a uh, hit with a transfer embargo but we were supposedly one of them Gary Sweet comes and says that no that's wrong pretty much yeah I think I saw him say that we actually recorded a bit of a small profit as well I think before before corona hit so I think we're probably in quite a good financial shape to maybe get one or two of these players in but going going back to twine if i was him and i and i saw that you know Luton was interested i i if he if he saw how morell's been treated this season i'd be a bit worried because obviously he's a young midfielder who i mean i expect to be in the at least the squad like you know on the on the bench at least on a match day and he's you know he can't get in some weeks and it's just you know, if I was twine, I'd be a bit worried looking at that. Yeah, that's a good point. Never, never really thought of it that way. But given you sort of see the flip side of that and think how Jewsby Hall's got on this season, and you think it can go one of two ways, really. Of course, and I think um, Jewsby Hall said recently that he he'd love to come back to us next season, and that's you know depending on what Leicester say. But obviously, he's signed. I think he's under new contract at some point during the season or last summer. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I'd love for him to come back, but at the same time, I don't want to rely on lone players. I, if I could choose between Twine and Dewsbury Hall, I'd probably choose Twine because that's our player then, you know, and we can we can make money from him rather than paying wages to a player that's, you know, not ours, really. Yeah, yeah, and I guess the the likelihood of ever securing Dewsbury Hall on a permanent deal is very, very low. But moving on to our third poll, and it was about Harry Eisted, and he was on the bench on the Barnsley game, and we asked our followers, should he start a game before the end of the season? And I, for some reason, I didn't do that until this morning, so still at the poll, still got 20 hours left. But so far, 48% of people have put yes with 52% at no, which I, I did expect it to be quite 50-50. I did expect people to be sort of on the fence with this one because sort of the season is seemingly over and it would be great, valuable experience for him. But at the same time, he's only, well, he's been playing National League football this season. And we tend to 
well with Kyoso, we've we've got him through playing national league football, league two football, now league one football. So is that sort of the way that we see Eisted going? I hope so because obviously last season he was national league south. This season national league conference. I I would like to see him play a few games in the championship, but for me, like. This isn't anything against him, but I'd, I'd worry about his height because I don't think he's actually that tall. And not? for a goalkeeper, you sort of... I, well, I for some reason, I think he's like 5'10 or 5'11 or something. I thought he was at least 6'1. I see. He'll be 6' foot now, won't he, bang in the middle? Yeah, he's 6' foot. 6' foot, Which, yeah. to me, that's that's kind of small for a goalkeeper. I mean, that, that's, that's three inches smaller than me, so I'm like... <laughs> But isn't Sluga that? I think Sluga Sluger's six foot or six foot one. I thought he was like six two, six three. Okay. Um, either way, I would love to see him play, but at the same time, Jones has come out and said he's going to be brutal with this team selection. Um, between now and the end of the season, and he said that he's going to stop playing players that he wants to give minutes to, and just play teams that he thinks you know best for the game, which. I like the idea of it, but at the same time, I think some of the players deserve a chance to just prove themselves one more time. But obviously, after the last few, the last two games, there's no reason for that. We need to start, you know, playing players that want to win games rather than just show what they're all about and all that. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And moving on to Wickham Wanderers on Saturday, it's a game I'm not too bothered that it's behind closed doors because I don't know if you've been there before Stephen but that car park at Adams Park it's just an absolute nightmare it takes oh yeah it takes at least 90 minutes to get out so you might as well just not go might as well yeah no I've been there been there once before and that was 2014 when um Smudger scored that like uh brilliant volley yeah but I remember getting on the we got on the coach to leave and we just sat there for, I think, an hour. And I was, I was just thinking, how, how have we not moved? It's awful, awful place to get out of. The same um, at Reading you know, as well. It's just, they're just horrible places. To... I don't think Reading was too bad to get out of, really. Um, we, we left literally what we, as soon as the final whistle went, we, we were off and beat probably most people to, to the car. And we just, in tra- that was 3-0 as well. We lost 3-0, which was yeah. one of the worst performances I've seen us in the championship. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was there as well. It was just... And then, yeah, you have to wait. And it took about two and a half hours to get back to Hertfordshire. It was horrible. Well, I think we... Uh, our people that I go with, we, um, we... I think we do it the other way around. We sit and wait around for a while to let it calm down. And then we leave. And it wasn't too hard to get out of. I don't, I don't remember, but... It was over a year ago, so I might just be completely mistaken. We could have been sat there for a while. Um, yeah, I'm going back to Wickham, but I'm just, just glad not not having to deal with that again. But at the same time, it would have been a nice little short trip up the road, nice away game. We always have a bit of fun going there with the last-minute equalisers and winners and all that. Yeah, they're at a point now, Wickham, where they're bottom of the league, but we know from a Gareth Ainsworth side that they're going to be a team of fighters. 
they're going to non-stop run. They're going to put 110% effort in. They might not be the best side in the league. Might like Technically speaking, they're League One players at most. Well, the majority of them still got championship uh, quality within that squad. But they're also on a bit of form as well. They picked up 10, 10 points from their last five games and they'll probably be viewing this as quite a winnable game. Yeah, I can see why, because obviously the form we're in, two wins in five, three losses. They've got three wins, as you said, 10 points from five games. And they, I think, I, I should think they're going to look at almost every game they've got and think it's got to be a winnable game for them to stay up. And I think we were in a you know, similar position last season where, you know, every game was just a must win. And yeah, as I said earlier, I'm worried for it because form we're in, not not looking forward to it. And if they win, they're putting themselves in a really good position to to fight for safety. And with that as well, they're, they're, they are doing particularly well and we know what it's like when you get a bit of form in that relegation battle and they've kept now four clean sheets in the last five games which is unheard of in Wickham that is I didn't even know that that is weird (laughs) (laughs) you don't associate Wickham whatever division they've been in as a team that keeps clean sheets they've always had that scoring power this year's different in the championship but they've always been a team that have been prone to conceding goals as well. Yeah, I can't think of too many times where we've struggled to score too many against them. But yeah, they're just a team that's kind of score more than you concede. So yeah, those clean sheets are very surprising to me, not going to lie. And then adding a little bit of spice to this fixture was what happened in the reverse game at Kenworth Road because we won 2-0, but it quite easily could have gone the other way because at 1-0 I think it was it um, 80th minute Scott Kashka equalises it gets given for offside and but it, I remember looking back at it and thinking at the time yeah that's a bit of a dodgy one looking back at the highlights and yeah he, he was miles onside if I remember rightly and yeah. we go up the other end and, and score Elliot Lee I think it was yeah I think that's one of those ones where it's when you're bottom of the table fighting for relegation, things just don't seem to go your way. I think that was the same for us last season. We had, you know, game against Leeds where Matty Pearson scored, made it 2-1 to us, given offside. Replays show that maybe VAR would have ruled it off for his nose being offside, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I think that was that was nice that we got something then go our way. But they're not. I don't think they're gonna let that sort of thing happen this weekend. They're they're gonna be. We have to make sure that everything goes to plan. Obviously, you know you can't make sure of it, but they're they're gonna put up a good fight. And then, and I hope I, I hope it's gonna be a feisty game as well. But I want to see passion from the players as well. I don't want to see them running out and just you know. Playing like they have done the last two games, I want to see them want to win a game. And this is there's a bit of bragging rights with this one as well because we've obviously got a teeny bit of history with them. Yeah, they've sort of followed a similar path to us coming up from sort of the league two days, and 
never been too too far behind, have they? They got promoted with us, didn't they, from League Two? Were they, did they come up in the playoffs, or were they? Did they take the third automatic spot that year? I think they took third because I think it was Acton, us, Coventry. and Coventry that got playoffs. Yeah, that's it. Coventry got playoffs, and then Wickham took the third one. Because I remember thinking Wickham could have overtaken us at one point. Because I think they beat us three two near the end of the season. It was like a February game or something, and they beat us three two. And if we'd have won that, I think we would have stayed above Accrington. But it was, I think, that a month we lost, or within like a month and a half, we lost to Wickham and Accrington, and that that stopped our title push. But we still got promoted, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah. And then looking at us for the next few games, we said, well, you said already about Nathan Jones basically selecting the team that he thinks is going to win a game. He's not looking to play those that have been sort of on the fringes. There's a lot of players that are now playing for their contracts. We've got the likes of Pearson, Berry, Loire Loire, Tunnicliffe, Moncur, Danny Hilton. And you, you could probably throw Sam Nombe in there because obviously we've only got him on that year loan deal with the option to buy so can you see many of them staying I don't I think the only only person that I could see realistically staying is Barry out of those maybe Pearson if we haven't got any other defenders lined up because obviously Pearson can do a job but yeah these players playing their contracts, but Luar has barely give, been given a look in this season. Moncur's had a few chances and he's taken a few chances, but at the same time it was score and then go missing for two weeks. And I part of me is ready to say goodbye to all of these players because they've, they've done a good job for us. Even Tunnicliffe, like I've sometimes he really frustrates me on the pitch, but He's scored a few important goals and done a few things, and he's looked a bit more solid this season. I think either he's uh, him and Berry are probably most likely to stay on because Berry Berry is always good, like he always creates something. But at the same time, he's gone missing a bit this season as well. So, I if if all of them were to leave, I wouldn't sit there and be too upset because they've done a lot of work for us. And you know, I, I'm, I'd, I'd be, I'd be happy to let them go and get them, let them get playing time somewhere else and get a, you know, get a load of fresh faces in. But at the same time, do we have that money? And you know, I said earlier, we might have a bit of money to spend on some players, but we don't really know. We don't know whether prices for players have gone up or down since Corona. Has taken over. We don't know whether it, you know, it'll be maybe buying someone like Scott Twine is less now because you know, or is it or is it gonna be more now because clubs are more desperate for money? So it's something that we can't really can't predict. Clubs will not be able to afford a lot. I know we've said before about us not having the, the spending power of teams in the championship, but a lot of clubs have been a lot more hurt by this pandemic than us. And yeah. that will continue to show into the to the next season as well. And I think that's something that will sort of, well, obviously boost us in sort of the transfer market. Yeah, I hope it does boost us. And I hope there's 
I'm hoping. Obviously, we've got a lot of players that are out of contract. There, there might be a load of players that are out of contract throughout the whole league, even League One, where those players, you know, might be holding out for a championship contract and all that. So, if if these players do leave from us, I, I, I'm confident in our recruitment team and the board to get players in. But at the same time, that's that's a squad you've got to build and will we have that togetherness that we've had in the past few seasons? Because Probably we, not. The, the two players that we signed who were out of contracts from League One, Cal Naismith and Jordan Clark, they were both on a free transfer, weren't they? Yeah, that just, I believe that so, just yeah. shows the League One market and how... Tom, Tom Lockyer as well. Lockyer, yeah. Uh, was he... Yeah. yeah. He was out of contracts. Yeah, of course he was. Yeah, it was on a free. It was on a free. Free of our best players this season. Yeah, pretty much. So that yeah, that's a that's a very reassuring thing to know that we can make good use of that league. We can, but there's there's twenty three other championship clubs that are going to want those players as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always the problem. The other the other teams, but we'll move on to the final part, Stephen. The score prediction for Wickham Wanderers, and I'll let you go first. I've got the last two wrong, so I, I think I said something like 2-3-1 to us against Derby, and then I said the same thing for Barnsley, and neither of them right. So, I, I'll i go for a 2-2 draw. Am I allowed to be pessimistic here? Am I allowed to go for a loss? Because I don't think any of us have done that yet, especially against Wick. I, think. I don't think so, but you might get a little bit of stick from it. I, I, yeah, I'm going to have to accept that but I, I honestly think it might be a 2-1 win for Wickham because just because I know what it well as Luton fans we know what it's like when you get a bit of form in that relegation zone yeah exactly and yeah as I said I'm worried but yeah hopefully hopefully you do get a bit of stick from uh, from that prediction because it shows we've actually got people listening to the end <laughs> yeah that's a good point that's a good point and well with that as well we had um, Blackburn last year who to be fair, they they deserve to beat us last year when we beat them 3-2 in the last game of the season. It was for two yeah. own goals and a penalty that kept us up. So even if it is 2-1 to them, we could still put in a good performance and that's what it sort of comes down to now. Yeah, that's what, it comes down no, to that's, that's, what I, that's what I said earlier. I just want the players to turn up and, and put on the shirt and show they want to play for the club. Yeah, yeah, well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. I hope thank that you. last segment wasn't too pessimistic and too too negative for you all. But, yeah, that's the life of being a Luton fan. Also, a big thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech for music. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.